Welcome to the Subscription League, a podcast by Purchasely. Listen to what's working in subscription apps. In each episode, we invite leaders of the app industry who are mastering the subscription model for mobile apps. To learn more about subscriptions, head to subscriptionleague.com. Let's get started. Hi, welcome everybody to the show. Today I'm with uh, Eden Whaler and I have Nicolas Tissier, my co-host today. How are you doing, Nicolas? Yeah, I'm very fine. I'm very happy to be here with Eden. Yeah, I mean, we're really excited because Eden is working at Blue Throne and they raised 6.5 million in seed from XD High Tech and have an 85 million credit line. And with that, they bought our partner with over 100 product market fit apps and they get about 10, well, not about, they get tens of millions of monthly downloads and they look to buy our partner with app developer that passed the 5K rule minimum that is either 5,000 monthly downloads or 5,000 monthly revenue. So Eden, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Excellent, guys. How are you? We're doing good. So I mentioned a little bit about Bluestone business model, but can you tell us more about it and why it's so unique? Yeah, for sure. We are called the world's first app aggregator. It means that uh, we buy apps, like uh, you mentioned, product market fit apps, and then um, we grow them and then scale them in-house. Basically, we have uh, two models. This is a direct exit model. This is the first one in which the developer just sell their app and move on to the next big project. The second one is for developers who would like to stay in the game, who reach the ceiling that they cannot grow anymore because the app actually became a company and now they need a lot of resources and they still believe in the app and its growth. So then we partner up. This is called an Erno deal. And uh, basically, when the things are going well in this deal, the developer can earn up to 1.5 of the original exit amount. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, cool. And can you give us some example of apps that you help grow after you bought them or partner with them? And what kind of resources did you bring to the table to help them? For sure, I'll give you an example that, uh, of an app we bought about four months ago. It's a music app. Today, it's one of the biggest music apps in the stores, in the App Store and in Google Play. The developer was, uh, is still actually a young kid uh, from uh, for the Netherlands, 18 year old, super talented developer. And the, we really like the super talented developers. And uh, the app was making about 40, 50K a month in revenue. Today it's making about uh, 160 and we only began to play with it. We grew it uh, in the ranks. Uh, we grew it in, the, in every possible way. And we did it through our marketing expertise, to our resources, like uh, suddenly he doesn't have to do backend anymore, which releases a lot of time to actually be creative and develop the product further. And, uh, you know, we like to give this talented developer the space and the time and the credit to go ahead and uh, do what they do best, is to create new features, to understand the market, because obviously the app was successful even before we bought it. But in order for it to grow, we need to relieve the developer of all the stuff, the gray stuff, the boring stuff that he hates to do. And that's what we bring to the table, of course, with business experience and a lot, a lot of uh, marketing abilities. Interesting. And so are those all like in-house resources that you guys have and bring to the table or are you helping to hire? How does that work? No, no, no. Uh, we take the burden on our own back. This is our in-house team. We have a, an expert team of marketers, advertisers, business growth experts, analysts, crazy team of analysts. Of course, the developers, backend developers, frontend developers, designers, whatever the app needs, we bring. 
Awesome. And do you find that the developer tend to stay on board for a while or do they tend to leave? Like what's, you know, it's always a change when you raise capital or when you partner with another company. Yes. How's that work for you guys? Actually, again, we, these are terms that are set right on the beginning. Then we can feel the atmosphere, you know. Some developers immediately understand they want to leave the app, they, they are sick and tired of it, or they really believe they have the next big thing in hand, but they need the cash flow and they need to build a small studio maybe with the cash exit. So this is situation one. And the second situation is simply a developer who is in love with their baby. The baby grew, it's a strong, it's a beautiful baby, but now the baby needs to become a man. And in order to become a man, the baby needs much, much many more resources, but also experience, business experience and marketing experience. So you will be able to grow the right way and prevent very costly mistakes that are easy, easy to do when you grow fast. And so when you're when you're looking for apps to buy slash partner with, what is it that you're looking for? Like, how do you find them and what are the criteria that you apply? Okay, so, so we first uh, started this business about uh, two years ago, even before we raised money, we did it totally bootstrap. We just used to buy whatever came our way, just uh, minimum downloads, minimum uh, revenue, and we bought it. But since then, we figured out this is, at least for us, this is not the right uh, business model. So we look for, uh, like we mentioned uh, already a couple of times, product market fit apps. What are product market fit apps? These are product that I see or we see some kind of proof that people really like this product. How do we see this proof? There are key metrics that we look at. And if one of them is extraordinary, then we know that we might have something here. Not for sure, but we might. The, an example for these key metrics, of course, is download, it's revenue, it's a RPD, it's ratings, it's even when we open the app, how does it look like? How does it feel like? Does the app have a big uh, fan community? Maybe it could be on Discord, on Instagram, or TikTok, LinkedIn, I don't know where, but uh, we saw all these examples that I'm talking about. So we need to find this first sign of gold. If we smell it, then we say, okay, let's see. Let's see what's missing here. Let's see why the app didn't explode. Let's see what, why you got stuck. Great. Like you answered the question, uh, so I don't need to ask it anymore. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, we mentioned earlier that you guys had a, a 5K rule, which was either 5,000 monthly download, I believe, or 5,000 MMR. Yes. How did you get to that rule and why is that important? It's just a minimum rule. It doesn't mean that we'll buy every app that has a minimum of 5,000 downloads, obviously. But we have to start for somewhere. And actually, we discovered that uh, we might uh, run into apps that are not monetizing at all, but has fair amount of downloads. And then we look at it, we said, okay, the developer doesn't know nothing about marketing. He doesn't know nothing about uh, promotion of the app. The product page looks horrible and doesn't convert while the competitors are doing it just fine. So, okay, this is like the minimum um, situation in which we can enter and bring tremendous value to the table and go there. So we, we needed to set this minimum amount. And so if we, if in our listeners, we have developers that have a, an app and they're like, oh, it'd be awesome if I could get in touch with Bluestorm. Like, how do they get on your radar? So basically, like any VC will do, venture capital will do, we need to create our own deal flow. The better our deal flow, the better apps we see, the better investments or apps we can acquire or go together with the developer. So we have a sourcing department and the job of the sourcing department is to find the apps that have the attributes that we love. Okay, so we characterize a few raw diamonds. We have 
blue diamond, we have a yellow diamond, we have a green diamond. And these are represent different kind of apps with different kind of criteria that we from experience know that we can grow, that we know that we can bring value to the table and that we know that it will be a win-win deal between us and the developer either through a direct exit model or a partnership model. Yeah, it looks a lot like a VC process, actually. And yeah. you're working exactly the same. You have some uh, analysts that get in touch, I guess, with the, the developers, and then you have a due diligence process. Definitely. But uh, unlike classic VCs, you know, we are in the, um, in the finance world. It's called an active VC. It's not just that you invest and then you hope for the best that uh, the team will uh, go the company. Is that you enter yourself, you dirty your hands, you know, to go the company. Operational VC, yeah. Okay, I see. Yes, yes, exactly. And is there a direct email to that DealFlow team that we can give? DealFlow at bluestrom.io or... Just uh, in a website, of course, we have the app appreciation uh, tool in which you can get evaluation of your app. So you just enter, you put the numbers in, and of course, it if it's interesting for us, it jumps on our system. If it's not interesting for us at the moment, you're just going to enjoy our weekly emails that will bring value to the table. Yeah, and, and we just write what we do to grow the apps, then uh, the developers can also learn. It happened to us a couple of times that we had to do like a, not the best deal that we can make because because the developers read what we write in their email list. They just perform a few actions. They raise the revenue of the app. So we had to play a bigger multiplier, but this is beautiful. And this is, uh, this is why we do it actually. It's a good problem to have. And so you mentioned that you guys have, have a tool that uh, developers can go and submit their app. And I'm sure the valuation process on your end is probably more complex than you know, what is happening on the webpage. But can you give us examples of things that makes big difference in the valuation of an app? Of course. First of all, is your uh, traffic organic or paid? Basically, we, we all know if you have a bit of experience, uh, a listener, so you, you guys do. We all know what's the tendency or the trend of advertising prices in the digital space, right? Besides a small dip in the corona, it's always on the rise, right? So just buying a pure UA app is, um, is not something we like to do at all, especially since... What's a UA app? Uh, user acquisition. User acquisition based. All traffic is bought uh, users and no uh, organic ranking at all. If it's half, half, you know, half paid, half organic, then I know we got some rankings. Then this is also a sign of product market fit. Because if I look only at a new app, I don't see a product market fit. I see advertising market fit. The advertisers are working well, right? But then the developers come to us and want to sell their app and they don't want to sell their app because the advertising is working well, but they want to sell it because it, it stopped working. It costs too much, their accounts are blocked or whatever. So this is something that we don't like. We like to see some kind of sign of organic traffic, really super important for us. What else? Of course, revenue, of course, downloads, of course, conversion, of course, retention. We also look at the rating and reviews. We don't want to buy like all these apps that got a 2.1 rating. This is terrible because it's just a matter of time until somebody at Apple or Google headquarters will say, okay, enough. This is not good. We're going to shut down the app. And uh, we know how these big platforms work and think. It's okay. We have the experience. And the last thing I think is the X factor actually is a, an extraordinary developer. The person behind the app. Who are you? How much do you know your market? Is the app just a business opportunity? Or you have a, actually have passion for this market? You came maybe from this market and you developed like this app and you know the user like uh, I know the back of my hand. 
So this is super important for us. And we discover when we hit well in this X factor or really find excellent developers that know the stuff, then we can go even faster together than the usual growth rate. Interesting. And, it, you know, this podcast being sponsored or made by Purchasely. I love Purchasely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Then. Is your valuation process takes into account like subscriptions versus ad revenue versus uh, in-apps purchase? Like how's that factor in? Yes, of course. Of course. We all know that subscription-based businesses get a higher valuation and that's because we have repeat business in these uh, businesses. So I think a very good advice for a developer who hears us and have only one-time purchase, just one, come on, find a way to bring more value to the table and make the app a subscription app. Then your own valuation will explode and You know, as a side effect, you'll make much more money in the process until you sell your app, if you sell your app. So it's generally a good advice to think how you can turn like a one-time purchase or one-time product into a subscription product, not only from the financial side, but also from the development of the product itself and the value you are able to bring to your users. All right. So obviously subscription gets a higher, much higher actually valuation than a just uh, in a purchase app, one-time app. Couldn't agree more. Sticky subscribers are a very good sign of a strong product market fit and the strong value delivered by the product, which is uh, exactly what you seek for. But once you've bought... Nicolas, can, can, I, have a, can I expand a bit of it on, on this subject a bit? Yeah. Tell Because we all know that, um, you know, when we started Bluthon two years ago, we looked at the apps as a digital assets which is completely stupid. You know, it's not a digital assets because the assets convey the, the feeling or the meaning or the mindset. Okay, it's like, a, I don't know, like a real estate. I bought this building and it will give me this and that value and I have a management company who will take care of all the troubles and that's it, I'm making money. No, an app is a living product. Okay, you have to nurture it. And now there are two ways to nurture an app or any product or company. You got external pressure. What my competitors are doing, they're getting better. They added more features. They steal my downloads. You know, this is a bad place to be, okay? That you have to respond to the market. You're already stressed. You're not in the best financial position if you already got to this position. So this is not where we want to be. So what we like to do as business people, also for our app and also for every company that we always owned, is to create internal pressure to improve. And the best way to do it in the app space is to turn your app into a subscription app. And if you already have a subscription app, to make it one hell of a sub subscription app. All right. Then you see you got the data in-house. You see the retention goes up. You see the initial purchases goes up. You see the free trials convert better. And you know you're on the right path. You don't have to wait to some kind of um, disaster from the outside to improve and put you in a bad spot already. You want to be in a good spot and keep improving. So this is like internal um, motivation, internal pressure to improve from a user. You hear them, okay, let's develop this and that feature. We know they're going to like it. It's going to make them stick. So that's why we're in love with subscription apps. Great. And uh, so let's say you've bought an app. Could you tell us more about the unique savoir-faire or structure 
that uh, you developed over time to scale an app. I already told you in our previous interview, I love your French. <laughs> this is amazing. I wish I could speak French. It's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, so, so what we do, okay. What we do is, uh, is that uh, we don't have to do, get, we don't have guesswork after we bought an app. Why? Because in the due diligence process, we already recognized what can be improved, where the app is lacking, what needs to happen. So the DD process, again, the due diligence process, already gives us a clear roadmap on how to improve the app. So of course, each app has their own story. Some of them have terrible product pages, shitty onboarding, no onboarding, the alpha page is not seen, problems with the different versions, pricing problems, feature problems, what to put behind the pale wall, what to give for free. These are all things that we're expert on and that we recognize as opportunities in the due diligence stage. So again, after we bought the app, the plan is already done. Okay, we just have to press play and let our team uh, start attacking the plan to improve. Of course, we start from the low-hanging fruits and then go on to the more heavy stuff. And do you have any secret sauce ingredient to share uh, with our listeners? I think uh, I think the easiest thing is... Um, You know, in Bluetooth, we use some uh, algorithms and we use dynamic pricing, but I guess for the average developer, it will be very hard to develop such thing for their own. Just play with the price, you know, play the result, give it two weeks, see if the, see if, uh, the total revenue went up and down. And then you, you'll see if the users gives your app a, a much higher valuation or value than you do. Because uh, I just saw a statistics two days ago, I think that the average prices in the app store of subscription apps went up by 40% in the last year. Yeah, I wrote the same article. So it means, you, you know, we all see the complaints in the, in the reviews on every app, uh, the chain subscription, why it should be paid for, okay, whatever. But obviously, if there are people who are willing to pay, the amount that uh, you're asking for and uh, your, your total revenue is not screwed by that, then okay, then it means that the market value you're up at a much higher price. So this is a really easy low-hanging fruit that um, regardless of your paywalls, for example, you know, we use your paywalls. I told you I love purchase lean. It's not because you're giving me money or something, really not. It just is our way forward. And, and I think that a good paywall It's like we came from this world. Myself and my brother were both uh, co-founders of the team of the direct response marketing, it's called, in the wild west of digital space, you know? And I know by my DNA that what a good offer page or sales page or whatever can do, okay? I know, I saw in my own eyes how it can uh, increase revenue by 300%, 3,000%, not, uh, not 3%, okay? So I think it's also crucial to play uh, with this. And this is something you guys do great. And I recommend uh, with uh, all my heart. And there are others, uh, other easy, easy steps to monetize the app better. I'm sure many developers don't monetize users who don't pay with ads, I'm sure, or not monetize them enough. And uh, basically, somebody has to pay for the servers. Somebody has to pay for the lights in your office, for the coffee you drink, okay? So if you have many, many, many users in your app that use your app without paying, that's okay. We can't force them to do nothing. But uh, you know how they say, if you don't pay, you are the product, right? This is what Facebook does. This is what Instagram does. This is what uh, TikTok does. You are the product. When you're using Instagram, you are the product. When you're using LinkedIn, you are the product. Why not use the same, uh, the same uh, mindset, you know? So also getting inside this world of ads and understanding how you can optimize ads. It's a whole new world, I understand. 
It's not easy. It's rather complicated, I admit, but it has huge potential as well. Those are all great advice on pricing. I'm sure with all the deals that you've made, you've learned a few things. And so are there things that you did not use to look for when you, you know, buy an app that now are kind of must-haves in your process from everything that you've learned? Again, we started this business from the mindset of marketing and digital businesses. We brought our experience to the app world. What we didn't see, again, is the opportunities you don't know about that you cannot recognize once you buy the app. If the app is a great product market fit, if the app is great and is loved by many people, then there are opportunities there that you cannot even foresee. I'll just give you an example on this uh, music app. Two examples, actually. First example, I've got a friend uh, from Brazil. He has a startup that grew to 120 people, one of the biggest music companies in uh, Brazil. So I've uh, talked to him about uh, our app. So uh, let's uh, see what kind of opportunities he can see that I can see. And he said, hey, guys, you know that you can turn it into a whole music company. That's basically what I've done. And I've got the exact formula of how we can collaborate and make this thing happen. Basically, it means uh, recognizing new artists because you can see the trends, sign them on a contract, and then afterwards make an exit on the contract to bigger music companies like Sony Music or Universal or whatever. Second thing, when we bought the app, it had a web version with 100K monthly active users, which is sound nice. Nobody did anything about it. We completely forgot about it. We forgot about it. The developer forgot about it because there was so much work to do on the app itself. Two weeks ago, I see um, like a, a new message on Slack on the channel of the app. Hey, guys, I just discovered with a screenshot, of course, because it's never completed without a screenshot. <laughs> I've just discovered we've got half a million of monthly active users on our web version. There's no paywall there. There's not one ad there. Nobody even saw it coming. Nice surprise. You know, you know in business, if you're completely honest, you got many, many nasty surprises. Right, notification from uh, the App Store that you don't want to see. You got, um, I, I don't need to explain. Everybody know what I'm talking about. The server build is higher than you anticipated. Exactly. Beautiful things like that, <laughs> you know? So it's nice once in a, once, I don't know, in, in a month to get a nice surprise. Like, okay, you got half a million active users you, you don't monetize that you didn't even know about. And now let's go from there. And, and again, this is just a, an example. But when we buy these apps, the product uh, market fit apps, we discover these opportunities either by being active, like I talked to my friend, that let's take a look at uh, what we have here. Oh, just by uh, pure dumb luck. Okay, but actually it's not pure dumb luck because people like the product. If people like the app, why won't they like the web version, right? If the app grew well, why won't the web version be liked and even grow 10x well? I don't know. So basically, I think growing together with a product market fit app improves your ch chances of having really, really good luck. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. One thing you mentioned when we did the pre-interview is how you guys have great digital researchers in-house. Can you tell us more about what they are doing and why they're so important to your business and important to the apps that you partner with, I guess? Of course. They're important in two, in two ways. The first way is technology way. Okay, we all know the cost of... Um, once you go, you have to have some tech team. Tech team costs a lot. I can tell you from our experience that we just wasted around $400,000 on 
some journeys that never came to their end some tech never <laughs> it was just stupid it happens it happens but we learn from our mistake and uh, now um, we have a full-time uh, digital um, and tech uh, researcher that what he does is just to see what the available solutions in the market to really map them well of course they arrive uh, with their cons and pros right everything has an advantage and disadvantage this one doesn't uh, talk to this one and can connect to a system and whatever so this guy know how to find a way to make everything speak together and to really instruct our tech team what's the minimum thing we should develop ourselves right to make everything uh, work so this is the first one this is the best ROI on any team ever that, that we might have. The second one is a, is, a, is a marketing researcher. And now I'm coming from the copy world again. Uh, I have a big uh, coaching company in Israel for small, small, medium digital businesses. I know what it's like to get into the customer mind. I know what's the user journey. I've been living this reality for the last uh, 10 years on fifth gear. But only this guy can bring you, can bring you knowledge and insights from the users that I never thought available, and there, through him, I learned there are levels to this game. There are black belts to this um, uh, marketing research game, and a black belt will bring you an information that you can then include in your paywalls, in your offers, in your product page that will give you 100x the value a regular, uh, just uh, somebody who thinks he knows marketing. Uh, the yellow belt. Yellow belt or white belt, yes, exactly. So is he getting a raise after this interview or? He already got a raise. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Already, yeah, one month ago. One yeah. month ago, awesome. Well, well, we'll actually end the interview on this happy note that he got a raise. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today and giving all those answers and telling us more about your business. It was really awesome to have you on, Eden. Yeah, thank you very much, Eden. For sure. Thank you, Olivier. And uh, Nicolas, we're going to see you in uh, San Francisco next week. Yeah. Thank you a lot, guys. Thank you very much, Eden. Enjoy the party over there. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> On behalf of the Purchasely team, thank you for listening to the Subscription League podcast. If you've enjoyed what you heard, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or other audio platform. To find out more about Purchasely and how we can improve your subscription business, visit Purchasely.com. Please hit subscribe in your podcast player and don't miss any future episodes. You can also listen to previous episodes at subscriptionleague.com. See you soon.